Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to the Run to Daylight Football Funcast with your host, Todd Burroughs. Welcome to the latest installment of the Run to Daylight Football Funcast. I'm your host, Todd Burrows. You can follow me on Twitter at Todd with one D from PA. And I am very lucky to have with me a very good guy, guy I met on Twitter not that long ago, and we've been going back and forth. So I, I decided to invite him on to interview him and to find about his interesting life in the world of fantasy, Justin Lanero. Did I pronounce that right, Justin? Yes, sir. Justin is um, a, a host himself of a football podcast. And um, you, you remember those commercials with the most interesting guy in the world? I kind of get that vibe from Justin. He seems to be the type of guy who just has it all together and a lot of people like him. He works um, with a podcast called The Fantasy Goodfellows. And I'm glad to have you on. Thanks for joining me. Well, thanks, Todd. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, the fantasy is uh, something I enjoy doing. We've been This will be year three, I think. So I'm looking well, forward to it. It's a long off season. It, it, it is. And I've been uh, spending a lot of time relearning some sports that I hadn't really followed. And I've been doing pretty good at baseball with DFS. And you and I had talked a little bit about um, things like AA and and getting clean and sober. Well, I think my worst addiction these days is daily fantasy. <laughs> You're not the only one. No, it, yeah. it's uh, I'm going to Chicago tomorrow, and I was out in Seattle a couple weeks ago, and neither place allows you to play. Um, I do have a way of getting it done, though. I uh, I'll keep that to myself in case I decide to play. So why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, and how you got into fantasy sports? Well, Todd, I grew up right outside of Boston, a town called Framingham, Massachusetts. I was actually born in Waltham, which is a couple towns over, or cities over from uh, the heart of Boston. And, um, yeah, 17 years in my home league. It, as soon as I graduated high school in 2000, uh, we started our home league. I think we did IDPs back then, which was, I still think is incredible when you draft individual defensive players that could kind of compensate for, you know, the lack of production you would get from, say, your quarterbacks or running backs and so forth. Um, so my, my home league, 17 years. And um, a couple of years ago, I, I decided that I wanted to get more involved. And I met Twitter and I did a fair amount of networking and landed a podcast, um, a couple pod, uh, one podcast went wrong, but you live and you learn. And, um, like I said, it was, it's all about networking 
and, and trying to evolve and, and consuming, you know, as much information as possible, getting other people's perspective, taking constructive criticism. Um, you know, my, my family means everything to me. Um, I have a, a couple children, a couple babies, so I'm tired, tired, needless to say, but it, you know, you, you mentioned the, uh, sobriety thing. I, a little over three years uh, ago, I, I decided that I was going to try to change my life and, and I put down substances and things started to get better gradually. And like you said about the DFS, uh, fantasy sports, I suppose, is my new addiction and I, I think it's a harmless one. Yeah, I mean, it, look, I, I, I guess, you, you know, there's people who play over their means um, I've never really had too much of a problem with that, although I did have a little bit of a gambling thing for a little while, but um, it took one or two big losses for me to say, all right, enough of that. It's interesting that you mention you're from Framingham. I'm a sales rep, and I've actually come up there fairly often, and there was a luggage store in Framingham from, oh, no, it was Sudbury, Sudbury yeah. for many years that just closed recently called Brett's luggage. So I know, I know the area that you're talking about real well. Too funny. That's actually my, that was my backyard in, in North Framingham. So I would actually take my bicycle as a kid and there's a strawberries next door, strawberries music. And we would buy CDs a- absolutely. And singles. And I, I actually, and there's a TJ Maxx in that plaza, if I have the right place. And that, that's absolutely. There. And there's really good Chinese restaurant about a block away on the other side Lotus of the street. Flower. Lotus Blossom. Lotus Blossom. <laughs> yeah, they used to have this amazing uh, buffet lunch, so I would always plan my schedule for lunch around that. And then a, a couple miles down on the right, there was this Brazilian buffet. Uh, it changed ownership. It's not as good anymore, but that place was amazing too. <laughs> what a small world, Todd. It, it, it is. It is. And uh, we met on Twitter. We hit it off. Uh, we started doing some MFL 10s together. And um, one thing you just you did surprise me a little bit. Uh, you mentioned that you like IDP and I could never really get behind IDP. And if you don't mind me, I'll tell you why. It. It to me, it rewards people on bad defenses, Right. Who tends to lead the league in, in, in tackles? Guys who are on bad defenses that have to make a ton of tackles. So I've never done an IDP league. And I, I guess, you know, it's like it, it depends where you start out. You started out doing that, so you like it. But I, I just have never been able to reconcile that in my brain. Have you ever thought about that? Well, yeah. and I think it's a little more a sophisticated approach opposed to what, what we do now and picking a defense. I mean, you're picking one defense. Of course, in DFS, you, you tend to stream them. You can you still stream them in, in season-long leagues and, and so forth. But if you're taking safeties, for instance, they have a lot of tackles as well. Like I said, linebackers tend to have more tackles than anybody. But there's some defensive linemen, and I, I just think it gives you a deeper look into the NFL you don't have to have eight on a team. I think we used to play with four or six, you know, and then somebody would take Ray Lewis and early on and you, you would get a giggle there. But, uh, we, you know, we, we kind of drifted away from it. But um, I know a, a gentleman by the name of Gary Davenport, who I talked to uh, once in a while, 
He, work, he writes for Bleacher Report. It's something that he specializes in. It's just, it, it, like I said, it gives you a, if you have a bad day out of your running back, we've all had that, or a wide receiver, I think that a safety or a corner potentially compensate, help compensate for the lack of productivity you got out of your offensive players. So it's just a little deeper. It's a little more, it's, it's a little more in depth than just picking the, you know, the, the, the Rams or it's. Yeah, I get that. I, I do. I used to be part of a hobby called simulation football. So, you know, I was really good at that. I, I just quit that hobby, but basically in that hobby, we draft full teams and we use the software to actually coach the games online. So you know, uh, for the last 12, 13 years, I've drafted NFL players, and the software rates defensive players from 3 to 10. So there's two 10s at every position, two 9s, and then it works its way down with three being the worst rating. So I'm very familiar with the defensive players. It also, you know, does the same thing with offensive linemen. So I, I love a deep look. But when it comes to fantasy, I just haven't made that plunge. It's like Dynasty League for, right. um, you know, simulation football is a lot like Dynasty Leagues. But I've never done a Dynasty Fantasy League. But you know what? Maybe I will one of these days. But in the meantime, daily fantasy, it's hard to beat the rush you get out of playing every day. Don't you think? I do. And of course, the football season comes and goes. And like you said, when you opened up the show, you said it, it kind of gave you a little revitalization in terms of the sports that you maybe had love for at one point. Now you have a regained love. And I think DFS has certainly helped that. We've seen it with NASCAR, for instance. I've never been a huge NASCAR guy. I have played NASCAR DFS. Golf is a, can be a that's, four That's day the one play. where they drive cars, right? Yeah, four wheels. And uh, there's pit stops and and all that, but uh, DraftKings is heavily involved with, as they are golf, and, and I, hey, it's, um, you know, there's a lot of learning to be done, there's a lot of content out there, and you just kind of continue to, to try to, to try to get better, and it's, it's getting more crowded by the day, and of course, there's some law issues from state to state that are going on, but I can, you know, I'm, I'm we, my show is intertwined pretty good with DraftKings, I write for the DraftKings playbook in the, during the football season, and they're great bunch of guys over there and starting right at the top with Jason Robbins, who I talk to frequently, little name drop there. In fact, you resemble him a tad. Um, you, you, you mean I resemble, you, you mean I resemble him a Todd. No, that's right. <laughs> right, and, right. And, 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 and you know what I do every time someone name drops on this show? That's funny. Uh, Thank you. It's your show. It, it is, and uh, we're just going to have to suffer through with it like that. So, uh, you know, you did a great segue for me, and I appreciate that. So you do work with DraftKings and Fantasy Goodfellows. Why don't you tell the audience a little bit about how you got into that, uh, who your partner is, and what some of the key focuses are? So the Fantasy Goodfellows podcast, and of course, we're on Twitter, um, and we are a part of footballdiehards.com. Um, Bob Harris, who has a show on Sirius Radio, is the, 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 ultimately the uh, facilitator of the site. I mean, he's, he's incredible. 
he's been around since she's, I want to say the nineties. And then the owner, Amo Cadlick, who's been good to us as well. Um, we started a couple years ago, actually I was, I was in kind of a, a bind and I needed a co-host and a, and a gentleman that I, one of my first followers on Twitter, his name is Armando Marsal. He lives in Miami, Florida, and we hooked up and he has become a, you know, he's one of my best friends, although we've never met physically. So, you know, like a cyber friend, but we talk all the time about everything, just about everything. And, um, that's awesome. It's, it's just another small story in a sea of, uh, you know, the ability to, to network within this industry. And uh, so not only, you know, do we talk about football, obviously on the fantasy Goodfellas podcast, but outside of that, we're very close friends. And, um, you know, he, of course, he's on Twitter, Armando Marsal, and um, he writes. He has his hands, and he's a. When you think grinder, I mean that's him. He's a family man. He's a good man. He writes for about five different websites, and I wouldn't have it any other way than working with him. Oh, that that's really interesting. I'm gonna. I, I I'm not sure I'm following him, so I'm definitely gonna do that. I definitely am hooked up with Fantasy Goodfellows, and obviously, you and I hooked up on Twitter and. We've been kicking around different things. So do you guys do a show every week during the season? Do you do two shows a week? What's your schedule like during the season? And how do you prepare for an episode? Well, during, during the regular season, we go once a week. And we, something that we take, our, we take a lot of pride in is having some of the best names in the industry on our show. I mean, you can, look, you can go on iTunes or we're on Stitcher as well. Well, well that, that means I'll get. never get a shot. But, oh no, no! You can come on. I mean, we have. I'm you know, teasing. Have, I'm teasing. No, it, it's it, it, it's my subtle self-deprecating sense of humor. Oh, it's and, and and you'll definitely have to come on. We it, there's a fair amount of prep work that goes into it. I mean, we consult obviously before the show to to go over and you know he'll pick a handful of players that he wants to talk about. I'll talk talk about a handful of players, and we'll obviously have our guests who's. Um, more than likely has a big impact within the DFS community and get his perspective for the audience to listen to. I mean, there's, we've had a, a number of great guests. I mean, I, I think well over 50, 50 guests now with, between the Adam Levitans and uh, JM to win has been on. Our show. <laughs> We're going to do a lot of that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Keep it real. We're not a, we're not I, a podcast. Hey, I, I nope. think it's great. I think it's great. I've had JM to win on. He's one of the nicest guys you could ever meet. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jordan was in Thailand, uh, when, actually, when he recorded with us the first time, so that was kind of cool. The time, the time differences were, were, were quite off, but he, you know, he managed to jump on. It was interesting watching him uh, face-to-face in Thailand. So, so you, you mentioned that the prep is pretty extensive, do you tend to do more of the prep or do you kind of, you know, I'm curious as to kind of the relationship between you, you know, two people who do a show together, right? So is there certain things that you tend to focus on and certain things that Armand will tend to focus on? Well, we're, we're obviously, it's a, it's a pretty clear cut show, you know, and it's a, a game of ring around the rosy. So we'll talk about quarterbacks. Naturally we'll talk about running backs, wide receivers, the tight ends and, and, and obviously defenses. Uh, he will pick some players that he, you know, he wants to talk about and I, and I will do the same and we will consult leading up to the show, um, whether, you know, it's, it's 
you know, the same guys will try to mix it up, but it usually you set a you set a guideline. I'll, I'll write a bunch of things down that we're going to go over, and it always seems we always seem to have a show before the show with the guest, and then during the show we always swerve right and left, and it never really sticks to plan. But where there we can't talk all night long. We try to keep a certain amount of time in between each position because we do record late at night and um it can get it can get late for for some people but it's it's a matter of communication i mean communication is is vital uh, whether we're texting or talking through email or twitter we want to be on the same page so that the show can run as as fluidly as possible well that i think that's great i'm definitely checked out one of the episodes today where you interviewed mike Marr on mfl 10s i didn't get through the whole thing but you guys definitely know your stuff and you really kind of get the best out of your guests. And I imagine that's why they keep coming back. Oh, we try, we try and we keep it on a personal level and, and um, there's no, you know, there's nobody too good to come on the show. And we, we definitely had just uh, DFS players come on the show. So you don't have to just be an analyst. We reach out to everybody and we, and it's a, it's a warm, atmosphere that we have it's 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 a pretty it's a pretty loose show and like i said it's something we pride ourselves on and, and we do um the off season is a little slower although we have some plans and premonitions for this off season but right now like you mentioned the nfl 10s are are you know in the mold and people are doing their preparatory stuff there so that's something that's going to be a topic of discussion um quite a bit this off season yeah, I know that's something that you and I have started bonding on, and we've talked about doing some MFL 10 shows here, and I, I look forward to doing that because they're they're a lot of fun. I, I call them the one-night stands of fantasy football. You know how a one-night stand, there's no commitment, and it's sure. a, a really enjoyable. I ended up always joining way too many leagues just so I could draft more. And so I really like the fact that I can draft and then I don't have to drive myself crazy trying to manage that team. Uh, do you find the same thing is true for you? Yeah, I do. I mean, although the one we're in together right now is just, if it, if it went any slower, I think it would stop. So the one night stand <laughs> concept, it doesn't really pertain to the one that I'm in with you. It's more, it seems like it's going to be a two week stand at this at this rate that's and funny like, i like I that talk, i talked to you earlier and you know you said you do about i don't know five or ten at a time which is seems like a, you know would be too much for me i mean i kind of i do like to kind of go slow and see how things are unfolding and again that, that goes back to the percept the perspective and the, and the guideline that i think these that we'll have come august when we when we draft in our home leagues and and we want to see where these players are being drafted and it's it's definitely a good uh, source, you know, to look at for sure. Well, you know, all I I use the Rotoviz Best Ball app. If you're not a member of uh, Rotoviz for thirty dollars a year, a lot of smart guys write for that website, and their Best Ball app is amazing. You can look by ADP, by suggested points. You can also mm-hmm. search. Like you're in a league with me and let's say you're coming up on the turn and you know that I've got two picks in between when you're going to get your next pick, you can go in and literally check 
who I've drafted and their exposure. Part of that best ball app is fantastic. And that helps me. I mean, I really probably should be focusing on it more, but between my job and my family and trying to play MLB DFS every day, uh, I'm not putting as much effort into MFL tens as I did last year. Set it and forget it. And the, and the website does the, the work for you. So, well, and one of the great things you can also do is, and we'll get into this when we talk MFL tens more in detail is you can see your own exposure too. So I'm, uh, you know, one of the things that I'm relentless about is let's say I like Matt Jones more than Matt Forte and they're, they, and Langford, and they all tend to be available around the same, um, you know, the same time. Well, if I'm doing 30 of those, I want to make sure I have it in my head my target of, let's say I want 25% Matt Jones, 20% Matt Forte, and 15% Jeremy Langford, I make sure that I keep my exposure in line so that um, if an injury happens, I'm not sitting on 45% with a guy. So yeah. um, that's the Rotoviz app. If you if you haven't used it, I, I recommend it highly. I'll, I'll definitely check it out. I- We've talked to quite a few of the gentlemen over there. It's at one of the best websites uh, for content in, in the industry. Uh, no question about it. Yeah, I call it the cool kids table. You know, <laughs> uh, the, the, I, I've always, you know, I, I met Matt Freeman when he was there. And I, you know, I just got the sense that it's the cool kids table and not everyone gets to sit there. But um, what, you know, speaking of guys that, you know, we, you, you know, a lot of great guys. You and I were kind of busting chops about uh, Rumford Johnny. I mean, we're two pretty nice guys. You know, we like people. And we found out that we have something else in common. Do you mind telling everyone what you and I have in common? Uh, Well, I'm sure we have quite a a few things in common. Um, Well, as it relates to to Rumford Johnny. Oh, I think we've been blocked on Twitter by him. I'm not sure why. I haven't really talked to him. Uh, that well, often. you can't talk to him. He blocked you. Yeah, I guess we're, I mean, from what I know, the gentleman, he's pretty well uh, respected within the industry. I know he's a New England guy and, um, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. when you're blocked, you're blocked. There's no going back. Yeah, there's no talk. I sent him an email because I have a second Twitter account. So I sent him a nice email. Why did you block me, dude? I, I, I did this homage that was kind of fun. And I tweeted that I, I mentioned you in this piece, and then he blocked me on the other address. So it was kind of weird. Hey, would you mind if I played you the uh, – it's kind of a funny skit that I did. Um, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger doing his first-ever fantasy draft. Would you mind if I played that for you? No, absolutely. Play it. I'd love to hear it. And, and, and then you can see the, the grievous sin that I committed to get blocked. All right, folks. Well, uh, this is my interview with Arnold Schwarzenegger before his first ever fantasy football league last summer. So I'm really excited to get Arnold in here, ask him a few questions. Arnold, are you there? Who are you? Um, Todd, you were going to do the show with me? What do you want? Remember you said you'd do the show? Yes. How are you? I'm good. You? I'm very happy to be here. What do we got to do? 
Well, we're going to talk about fantasy football, right? Yes, no problemo. Oh, okay, good. So when people would ask you to play fantasy football in the past, what is it that you would tell them? I don't play that game. Hmm. I'm not interested in that. Ah, do you think fantasy is important? It doesn't matter. Really? A lot of people think it's important. You sure? I don't play that game. Well, I play fantasy football a lot, and I've always been pretty good at it. I think it's important. Well, you must be very proud of yourself. I am, I guess. Um, What's the matter? Well, you weren't very nice to me. Uh, I was hoping... Hi, are you? Yeah, I guess. So um, now you're getting ready to play in your first fantasy league, I guess for charity. And have you come around? Are you a little bit excited about playing? Yes. Well, that's good. I was a little nervous to... Go on. Well, you're ready to do your first draft. Am I correct? Yes. And do you think anyone has a chance of beating you in this? No. There's a lot of trading in fantasy. What are you going to say if someone offers you a bad deal? Don't be ridiculous. Are you out of your mind? That's pretty funny. I guess that would scare them. What are you afraid of? <laughs> and what if they offer you a good deal? I like that deal. You told me that you have uh, been studying. Do you have a favorite analyst? 2029 Romford Rhodes. Excuse me? Romford. Oh, you mean Romford Johnny? Yes. Oh, he's, uh, he's really good at this uh, fantasy. I agree with you. After studying with him, are you ready? Yes. A big part of fantasy football is trash talking. Have you practiced? So I'm so really excited I, I, to get I, Arnold in here. It, there. it goes on for a couple more minutes. But that was the, the thing that got me uh, banned by Rumford. Uh, I think that's beautiful. I mean, you should be getting praised, not blocked. I, I thought it was pretty funny. The rest of it was even more funny. But, um, you know, uh, I, I thought I would do something different, and I mentioned the guy's name, and I said, uh, Rumford Johnny gets mentioned by Arnold Schwarzenegger, and he blocked me. Oh, blocking is a part of the game, too. I mean, I, you know, I can't tell you how many people I've been blocked by on Twitter, but that's a part of the, the whole networking that I mentioned at the beginning. I mean, you got to – the network, you become a little bit of a pain in the ass, and eventually you get, you know, you'll get in communication with some of these people, and uh, they grow on you. I had actually Davis Maddox grew on me yesterday instantly. Uh, there was a kid that, speaking of Rotoviz. Um, yeah, I didn't, didn't get uh, your angst with him because I've never had a problem with him. Well, you know, he's he's younger and he's probably see some of myself and him when I was his age, but we ended up talking uh, one-on-one and things, you know, I ended up following him. He ended up following me and everything's hunky-dory. So it, it's, I think we make, sometimes we make assumptions about, about people, uh, not just in fantasy, but in life, can try to give them the benefit of the doubt, go one-on-one with them and, and it, things change pretty quick. So. Yeah, uh, Rumford was the only guy who's blocked me, so it kind of was like, what, really? For that? Are you kidding me? But eh, that's life. You move on. Um, and speaking of moving on, the NFL season is moving to a conclusion. Uh, we're heading into the training camps, and, you know, we've gotten through free agency and the draft. What teams have really, in your mind, made themselves better as we head to the next year? Oh, you had to go there. Well, I mean, I, I think you have to like the, the Dallas Cowboys and 
they grab Zeke Elliott, although I'm, I'm not – we haven't seen anything yet from him. But from what I'm hearing, I mean, there's some Edron James comparisons. He could be the next Adrian Peterson. We obviously know he runs behind the best offensive line in football. Des Bryant is healthy. The pieces are in the puzzle in, in Dallas. I think the Arizona Cardinals have to be mentioned. They went. They got Chandler Jones from here. I mean, they're pretty good at every level on defense. We know we're going to see a full season with David Johnson at running back. Um, obviously, Carson Palmer has a number of weapons, and Larry Fitzgerald is seemingly ageless. John Brown and um, Michael Floyd. So, I, you know, I, I like the, the Cardinals. I like the, the Cowboys. And the Patriots, despite not having Tom Brady for the first four games, we'll see what you know Jimmy Garoppolo has to offer, and they'll probably win the AFCs regardless of TB12 not being there. The Jets. I, uh, if, if I, lost, I, go ahead. I'm a big Jimmy Garoppolo fan. He was my favorite quarterback coming out that year. Uh, I, I really like his motion. I like his demeanor. I, I think he's going to surprise some people. What do you think? Well, I think he's learning from probably the best quarterback in history, similar to Aaron Rodgers taking a backseat to Brett Favre for a couple of years. I mean, there's just some of these guys are blessed to, to sit and watch for a couple of years, and I, I think Jimmy Garoppolo is in a good spot. I mean, and we're going to see – the first four games, what he has to offer. I don't know that they're going to make him do too much. Of course, Deion Lewis is, is healthy, and, and LeGarrette is there, so we might see some a lot more running of the football. But he has big shoes to fill, and that's the reality of it. I mean, the expectations here are high, and eventually Tom Brady's going to sail off into the sunset, and, you know, the, the Patriots could easily be a 500 team again like they were for so many years, and, and worse than that. So... I think he's composed, and uh, again, I mean, when you sit and take a, and watch a guy like Tom Brady for a couple of years and learn uh, the opportunity, he's going to have his opportunity, no question. Yep, and I think it's good for him. And uh, I mean, if Bill Belichick could win with Matt Castle, I think Jimmy Garoppolo is a better quarterback than Matt Castle. The other situation that I find very interesting this year on the uh, Patriots is Chris Hogan who they gave a pretty good-sized contract to. If you look back to when they got Wes Welker from the Miami Dolphins, they paid him about the same amount as they're paying uh, Mr. Hogan. What's going on in the local papers? And do you think Chris Hogan is going to get a significant opportunity to be successful and to maybe be the next Julian Edelman? I think that's the hope. I mean, Julian Edelman, actually, I think it's his birthday today. Uh, he's had some injury issues, uh, Julian Edelman, that is. But if he's anything, if he can resemble anything like Wes Welker did for a short period of time and what uh, Julian Edelman's done the last few years, and we know he has an injury uh, pattern, but they'll get him the football. Could be one of these guys where the dink and dunk, 100 reception type deal, if, if it pans out. If they went out and they got Martellus Bennett, so they'll be problematic inside the red zone with, with a healthy Rob Gronkowski and Bennett. So... You know, I can I can foresee Jimmy Garoppolo leaning on the tight ends potentially as a safety blankets in his four games that he's going to be playing. But yeah, Hogan is one of these guys we've seen. The West Welker, like you said, and Julian Edelman. They're going to, you know he'll be targeted often and he'll have his chance to shine. It's a matter of comprehending yeah, I, the extensive playbook here. Yeah, I think that what's interesting is. Hogan doesn't have the short area quickness that either Welker or Edelman have, 
But he did make the most of his opportunities in Buffalo, catching about 40 passes the last two years. And, yep. you know, that's why I think Bill Belichick liked him and, and, and decided to bring him over. And it reminds me of how Welker was just starting to come on with the Dolphins when they brought him in. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. You mentioned Martellus Bennett. I think he is one of the most undervalued people right now in MFL 10s. I can pretty much get him any draft I want in the 11th or 12th round. I mean, here's a guy who caught 85 or so passes two years ago. He's a top-level talent. The Patriots you know, I, I don't know what people are thinking that they're leaving Bennett on the table this long. What do you think the reason is that Bennett is available so late? Well, because when you think about the Patriots and, and their tight end situation, you obviously think of Rob Gronkowski. Um, I know the number of play calls went down. It was continued to go down. So they're not playing at the, the pace that they have played in the last over the last five years. So, And I think that's what's happening. When you think about tight ends, you think about the New England Patriots, you automatically think of Rob Gronkowski, uh, but Scott Chandler had a <laughs> Scott Chandler, the former Buffalo Bill, had a you know a, a couple touchdowns. They're going to get him the football too. He, like you said, he's a big guy. He's six six or six seven, two sixty, two seventy. He's a and he'll be a hell of a red zone presence for either Garoppolo or Tom Brady. So I, I mean, you nailed him in the head. I mean, Rob Gronkowski has had a number of injuries as well so if something were to happen to Rob Gronkowski who's the best tight end in football I could see Bennett sliding into that role and and having like I said 85 90 catches um potentially so it'll be be interesting to see if they start incorporating a lot of the plays that they uh, used when they had Aaron Hernandez with Gronkowski and, um, you know, again, for the price of a 12th round pick in an MFL 10, I love, uh, I love Martellus Bennett. I, I, I do. I, I have to say that I see a lot of upside, even if Gronk is on the field. And if anything does happen to Gronk and he misses a few games, well, Bennett is going to do very well, I think. Um, you mentioned Chandler Jones. He's gone. Uh, he went over to Arizona. The big question in Arizona seems to be, can Carson Palmer stay healthy? They've improved that offensive line. I'm feeling very good about them as well. Um, I guess there's some people out there who still worry a a bit about David Johnson. They kept Chris Johnson and Andre Ellington is still there. Do you have any questions as to whether David Johnson is going to be the workhorse stud running back that you should take in the first round of a fantasy draft? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't, I'm one of these people that I'm, I'm, I'm staying away from just about every running back in the first round. And I'll have Tony presents itself at the tail end of the first round. I might grab a Johnson or Gurley, but I thought, I think all the top tier running backs have a, a certain level of uncertainty. And Johnson was a special teams guy, primarily most of last season. And where there were injuries to the always injury plague, Andre Ellington and the older Chris Johnson, he kind of earned that job by default. So we didn't see a full season with David Johnson. You did get to see some doses, and it was at the right time for fantasy owners. You drafted him and you stashed him because his numbers were as good as anyone's. And that offense is going to go. I mean, I, I mentioned a number of wide receivers earlier. They're going to score some points. But, yeah, there's – 
there, there, is a, there is a level of uncertainty, whether it's Todd Gurley playing behind PFF as the Rams is one of the worst offensive lines in football. So Todd Gurley on a, you know, with a rookie quarterback, what is he going to do? Le'Veon Bell has, has obviously had injury issues. Are they going to ease him back in? He hasn't even been medical, medically cleared. And D'Angelo Williams is there. So Adrian Peterson is on the wrong side of 30. He'll probably get the ball 350 times. But it's, you know, you can have some of these third down backs later, like we talk about Orr Langford or Jonathan Stewart, who I seem to own quite a bit of later, and you don't have to grab uh, or gamble, exhaust a first-round pick on a relatively unproven David Johnson. Yeah, I I like David Johnson, and I do have some first-round shares. And that's another reason I like to do a bunch of MFL 10s, because it gives me the opportunity to try different things and to see how I like my team the best. Um, I I, I know right now that I'm the happiest when I can grab Julio, Beckham, Antonio Brown, or Hopkins in the first five picks and then come back and load up on running backs after that. Um, The next level of wide receiver to me is a little more – I think it has a little more risk than some people are talking about. Uh, Des Bryant, uh, Green, and then you get into the tier beyond that. What are your thoughts on Des Bryant? Does his foot worry you? Does Romo's injury history and age worry you? If he's sitting there at the eighth or ninth pick and it's between him, Green, or some running backs, which way are you looking right now? Um, i there's no, probably no question about it. I'm going to grab Des Bryant in that spot. In fact, I'll name drop a close friend of mine, Jacob Rick Road, at Clutch Fantasy on Twitter, writes for Rotoviz, and he is as high as anyone on Des Bryant this year, and he nailed the last, the last couple of years. Instead of seen, a, a bomb, I hit you with the cash register. No, that's cool. Um, Des Bryant, I've seen him go one in some of these MFL 10s. We know what he's capable of doing. He's a top five wide receiver in the NFL if he's healthy. Obviously, there's an injury there, but he obviously has a rapport with Tony Romo. Des Bryant, when healthy in a 16-game season, is as good as anyone. It it appears that he's healthy at this point. He's a competitor. He is a 90-95 catch guy. Uh, I I would put it right there. I don't see him being over 100 with – 13, 1,400 yards, and, and we've seen him score 15, 16 touchdowns, no question. And I would put A.J. Green right in that classification. Marvin Jones is with the Lions now. It, he's kind of the lone ranger with Tyler Eifert in Cincinnati. Obviously, Dalton's been working with him for quite some time now. Same thing for A.J. Green. Uh, I, I would, you could stick those two together and flip a coin, and I would be content with either of them nine out of ten times in the five slot right after uh, – DeAndre Hopkins right now. All right. I I, I like that. Um, You know, one of the things I really like about you and and I on Twitter is we can question each other and it always remains friendly. So I'm going to throw back at you kind of my concern as it relates to the the Des Bryant thing, just for you to consider. And you can tell me what you think of uh, my theory. So, Besides the injury history to Bryant, Romo, you know, we both, we, we totally agree if they're both healthy, they have that 90 to 95 catch upside. 
But historically, the Cowboys want to make the game shorter. And to yep. do that, they want to run the ball. And yep. they've got Elliott, and they've got Alfred Morris, and they've got that huge offensive line. You know, they don't want to, uh, as as the old Kansas City chief uh, quarterback, um, I mean, the coach, uh, Hank Stram, would say, they don't want to matriculate the ball down the field quickly. Mm-hmm. What they would rather do is eat up the clock, keep their weak defense rested on the bench and have 15, 16, 20 play drives. Um, On one hand, that's good in a sense for Des Bryant because they've got the ball, but it does seem like they're going to be running it uh, a preponderance of the time. Jason Witten's still there. Uh, Tony Romo will hit the open guy. He's not the type of quarterback who locks in on his number one receiver. And Ezekiel Elliott is going in the first round. So to me, it just makes me worried about Des Bryant being able to pay off that high of a pick. What do you think of that? Well, I, I mean, it's, I can see where you would be concerned, and they're all valid points that they're going to run the football. I mean, you didn't mention Darren McFadden is still there. He's coming off one of his better seasons. Like, they threw some money at Alfred Morris. I think you could run behind that line, Justin, and get about 4.0. And that's just it. But you're not going to be one-dimensional. and You're not going to run the football 50 times, you know, 100 times a game and leave the passing game out. So outside of a 34-, 35-year-old Jason Witten, you, you know, the options are limited for Tony Romo. And he's going to lean – like I said, if Des Bryant is healthy, his numbers historically will show you that they are as good as anyone's in a 16-game season. He had a couple, had a couple seasons back-to-back a few years ago, and the, the numbers were just about identical, 90 catches. And I think what he lacks in, in you know, receptions, like an Antonio Brown will have well over 100, he will compensate with in touchdowns. So where there's not play, say, like Arizona and, and, and Carson Palmer's playing eeny, meeny, miny, mo with John Brown, Michael Floyd, and Larry Fitzgerald, Tony Romo's going to have to throw the football. And the, and the, the recipient, similar to A.J. Green in Cincinnati, uh, is going to be Des Bryant. And it's going to be often. And he's going to be targeted 160, 175 times. I mean, this is a guy that has shown us that he is every bit of, you know, elite wide receiver in the NFL. You know, he just he got paid. Uh, you know, Demarius Thomas got similar money. And I, I think you have to, you have to took, take a look at Des Bryant. He's a, his upside is just about as high as, as anyone's. But you, you brought up some I, I, th- I think you're absolutely right. The touchdowns are, you know, his ability to get and, and receive the ball in the end zone is as good, if not better than anyone in the league. And we're going to have to kind of leave it there as we're running down on time. And I know you needed to get out of there. I tremendously appreciated you coming on the pod. And I look forward to doing those MFL 10 shows with you. They're a lot of fun. And if people don't know a lot about the MFL 10s, I think we can really elucidate um, a, a great deal on some key strategies and how different smart people approach them. And I really appreciate you sharing your wisdom with me 
and the people who listen to the Run to Daylight podcast. Thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Anytime, Todd. I look forward to talking to you in the future, man. Yep, absolutely. And since we finished the show talking about the Cowboys, I'm going to send us out with this old song, The Boys Are Back. And if you draft Des Bryant or Ezekiel Elliott in the first round, you're going to hope that they are indeed back. Justin, thanks again. Anytime. Yeah.